one of the um, unique things that we've discovered uh, in the life of our church is that taking care of the community, being a, a church that loves on and uh, blesses the community is something that's really been a part of our DNA from, from the very beginning. Um, I'm going to uh, introduce to you our guest this morning, and then uh, I want to show you some pictures uh, that give you at least a, a short little glimpse and snapshot into how from the very beginning this church has uh, strived to make a difference in, in our city. Uh, the story of, of Lifehouse actually began um, many, many years ago. Uh, it, it turns out it actually uh, began four years before 1995, so that would have been uh, 1991 is where it began to be birthed into the heart of uh, Pastor Dan. Uh, in 1995, uh, Dan and Brenda were being prayed for to be sent out to uh, this place called San Antonio from Los Angeles, California, from Church on the Way. And while they were being prayed for and commissioned and, and hands being laid on, the whole congregation extended a hand just like we have you do periodically here. And there was one young high school senior girl that was in the congregation at the time that was extending her hand, praying for this, this family to be sent out, this couple to be sent out to San Antonio. And her name was Kelly Collins, uh, which is now Kelly Coffey. And she was praying for the pastors that would go out and plant a church in San Antonio, Texas, never in a million years thinking she'd marry this guy. And we together would come and continue on the work that Dan and Brenda planted uh, 10 years prior to that. Uh, and so it, it, it has come full circle in that sense. Our hearts have been knitted together even before we could ever even imagine that. They say that success is 80% showing up. Uh, I would say that pastoring is true to that, that uh, to be a successful pastor, you, you just got to show up. Uh, 20, 20 of the, the other 20% is being in the fetal position, crying like a baby, but I don't go into our problems, but 80% of it is just showing up, and I just want to let you know that Dan and Brenda, they showed up, they showed up to San Antonio, they they showed up to Stone Oak. They showed up to graduations in this church and birthdays and funerals and births. They, they just showed up and continued to show up, continued to love and shepherd people who, as Jeremy was talking about, were sheep without a shepherd. They came to San Antonio, and they loved this city, and they loved this community. And so we get to honor them today. Uh, so will you stand and honor them as they as I invite them to the platform? You can be seated. What what you uh, I, I alluded to this uh, a couple months ago, but. Um, Dan, in December of 2018, so just, just six months ago, I guess, five, five months ago, um, discovered uh, a little bit before that, he discovered he had a three-inch radius hole in his femur. It's in your left, right? Your left femur. 
uh, which I don't know if you know this, but it's not a good thing. And there's some sort of cancer eating uh, or bone, sorry, bone eating cancer and uh, had created a three inch hole in his femur. And one night he went to bed and you know when you're falling asleep and it's that blissful time and you just kind of jerk when you're going to sleep. Well, he did that and his bones snapped in half. And yeah, it's it's as painful as it sounds, right? Or maybe worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Dan went into surgeries, and uh, the fact that he's even here is just a huge blessing. He had a total femur replacement surgery which means he has a titanium femur, which makes him the most bionic person in the room. <laughs> and, uh, and just this amazing miracle, really. Um, and so instead of having Dan come and preach a message, uh, not that we couldn't have had that, and we will, I'm sure, in the future, and, and have you back to do that again. Uh, I just recognize that most of you don't know Dan and Brenda. And... And I thought it'd be good for us to just kind of interview them and ask them some questions and kind of go a little bit more off the cuff and for you to get a feel for who they are as people uh, and what they've put into to our church, into the life of our church, uh, that really allows us to be here today. Uh, and so I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. You don't have to answer them all. The first, no, I'm just, I was going to ask you like some personal question, but I'm not going to do that. I, w- I want to know, um, so I want, uh, if you could share with us, like, why San Antonio? What, what was the beginning stages of, of you deciding, I think we'll go to San Antonio and plant a church? Four years in a row, the Lord spoke to my heart to pray for San Antonio. Um, in our church in Los Angeles, uh, we would do an annual pastor's conference, and um, Pastors would come from all over the nation, and we who were on staff would have different responsibilities. One of my responsibilities was to lead an early morning devotional time for pastors, and um, then we would pray before the day got started. And so um, all that week, I would lead that prayer, and this was in 1991 that I first started praying for uh, San Antonio. The theme of our conference that year was taking your cities for God. So I was just praying for cities. But as I knelt to pray, the Lord told me to pray for San Antonio. And um, so I I began to do that just out of obedience. And uh, that conference ended. And then we came to the next year in November. And again, the same kind of responsibility. That happened for four years in a row. And um, every year... The Lord told me to pray for San Antonio. Only in year number four, he said, I want you to pray differently because I'm going to be sending you there. And um, so we began to listen to the voice of the Lord. And one of the verses of scripture that um, he gave me that really was the launching scripture was out of Exodus 3. And it's when God was calling Moses and uh, the burning bush and God said, I have come down and I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their oppression. I've seen the the bondage they're under. And I'm going to send you to take my word to set them free. And that's what he spoke to my heart to come to San Antonio. So that's how we got here. Then interesting. Excuse um, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Now you really know who I am. 
So uh, at the same time, you forgot this. Oh, that's why you're here. Yeah. So at the same time that was going on, just kind of in parentheses, what you need to know, that, that wasn't what I was going to say, so I'm going to say this. But um, he didn't tell me because he's really smart. Because at that point in our lives, we were looking towards being the empty nesters. And so, you know, we had these young adult daughters who were going to get married and have our grandchildren. And my plan was for all of us to just settle down and live the good life in sunny California, even though I am a native Texan. And so, so he didn't tell me that. And that's a unique thing about us because um, I would have panicked and started trying to control everything. I'm just saying. And so... Weird. <laughs> that, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was just, you know, something that the Lord was working in him. And But at the same time, there was... Um, there were people in San Antonio who who were praying for the Lord, specifically for the Lord to send pastors for there to be a four-square church planted. Hmm. And I, I, I've forgotten. I didn't share that in the first service because I'd forgotten. But there's all this backstory of four-square in San Antonio. And that's what I grew up knowing about was hmm. this very old, historic four-square church in wherever it was, yeah, Southside, that had grown and had influence and then kind of disappeared. It mm. didn't, that church wasn't able to um, make the leap into their future after years and years and years. And so there was, but there were people here who were praying specifically in that regard. So while, while this was going on, in L.A. with Dan hearing from the Lord, there were people, probably a group of maybe eight or so, who had very deep four-square roots mm. and were praying. Um, so I just think that's really that's cool. Yeah. yeah. One of, uh, you mentioned that you had that kind of that Moses moment. And I, I tell the story that when I first got here to... Um, to replace you guys, not that I could replace you, but to, to take the church. Um, I felt like I came in as Joshua to replace Moses. And then God told me, uh, who are you to think that you could take these people into the promised land? And and it was, if I asked you to uh, wander these people through the wilderness for 40 years, would you do it? And I said, no, of course. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. The and I, and I didn't feel Moses as as though Moses being old. It was just, it was just that dynamic, that shift, and um, yeah. And so I, it's just I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. What um, what what were some of the challenges you guys faced coming into San Antonio? What uh, you had mentioned that there was a few people here that were praying for a church, but. Um, but you didn't really necessarily bring a big team with you, and it was really starting from from the ground up. What were some of the challenges that you guys faced in in establishing yourself here in San Antonio? Well, I think one of the things that made 
that transition for us a bit easier, and Brenda spoke about this in the first service, is that the church on the way where we were coming from and being sent from was extremely gracious in that the last year we were on staff, they really relieved me of all of my responsibility, but continued to pay us. And then every month they would fly us down here and we would stay a week here to grow familiar in the city, uh, meet with a group of the people that had been gathered here and praying. And um, so in terms of the challenge, it was, okay, where are we going to do what we're supposed to do? How do we get there? And and early on, I made great connections um, with you know David Walker over at Alamo City and then uh, Alan Randolph over at uh, Trinity Church and Max Lucado. In fact, we rented from Max Lucado when they were still down on Fredericksburg Road wow. at Oak Hills Church Christ. And uh, then we r- rented a facility from uh, Trinity Church, which was a daycare center. So we had all this connection pastorally that was really, really very supportive. But still, the great challenge was, where do you ultimately land to do what you're supposed to do? Yeah. So how did you uh, end up in Stone Oak? What, what brought you guys to Stone Oak? Um, let me, okay, I forget a lot of that. Um, because you were out searching. Dean would just disappear for hours and drive the city looking and praying. And he'd find a place that he thought might be good, you know. There was a lot of availability um, as far as properties, but where, you know. And so he'd come home and we, I found it. No, well, not so much, you know. And so we just went through, how long was that? Probably several months. But the, all, all in that time, we were basically doing church, you know, what, what do we call it? Church in the box or yeah. something, you know, bins with all the crayons and the paper and the everything uh, in our garage and doing, you know, setting up in all these different places. And I don't know if you've noticed, but... Um, like, if you think about 20 years ago, we were already too old to be planning a church. I, I'm just saying. You know, we were, it, it didn't make sense that that we were doing that. And, but yet we, we really knew we were doing what the Lord had said for us to do in that season of our lives. So, um there was challenge in maintaining this level of a church plant and yet seeking the Lord for where. Um, and you really, truly, I don't remember. How, how did you find this place? I mean, I loved it when I saw it. That was the, this is the one I signed off on, just so you know. <laughs> As she mentioned, we're looking all over the city. But your question was, what was the greatest challenge? That was a big challenge. Um, I think trying to capture what was in my heart and see see where the Lord wanted to customize that. I mean, San Antonio is a large, large yeah. city. Yeah. Where did the Lord want to customize what he'd put in my heart? 
and into what region of the city. And uh, so I, I traveled the whole city. I was I went the inner loop 410. I went 1604. I drove around this city praying for days and trying to find the right place. And uh, but when this property became available, it was uh, one of those kinds of things uh, that um, you thought, wow, that's a beautiful piece of property in a part of the city that was growing. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was 20 years ago next month, June of 1999, that we um, really began to negotiate the possibility of buying the property. Yeah. Um, in fact, we had a council meeting right on the side of the hill up there about the top level of where the parking lot is. Um, and the church council, and we met here, and we're trying to decide, do we buy this property or not? And the church council voted no. And uh, uh, my heart sunk in that moment. And uh, I think Tom Pittman was there with us at that time because Tom, I was working for Tom and working construction at the time by, by vocationally. And uh, they said no. And um, that was in June of 1999. In July of the next, I mean, that next month, July of 1999, uh, my father and mom were coming through. My Both of us are preacher's kids, and uh, our parents have been pastors all of our lives. And Daddy had been speaking around the region, and he was on his way back through here. And they came to see us, and so he had told me that he'd been praying about uh, our property possibilities. And uh, so they came to church with us that morning, and then we went out to lunch. And uh, at lunch, uh, Daddy said to me, he said, I, I've been praying for a property, and I just need to tell you what I've seen. The Lord's given me a vision. And uh, the vision is that somewhere related to this property there is a building with a pagoda-shaped roof on it in relationship to the property. Well, I, I had already seen this property, and there wasn't anything on it except trees and rocks. And uh, I thought, well, that, that can't be right because there's nothing here. And uh, so after we had lunch, we left the restaurant, and uh, we decided to come up here and so I could show Daddy and Mama the, the property. And... Totally, un we'd been with two or three other families in the restaurant, and uh, but we all left independently. But interestingly enough, when when we drove up to the property, it was like a, a holy convergence because there were three other families that had decided to come buy the property at the yeah. same time, and so we all showed up here at the same time. And if you just went up the hill here, where the fire hydrant is at the top of the property, is where we pulled off the road. And uh, Wilderness Oak was uh, barely paved at that point. I mean, this is 20 years ago. And um, it was one lane. And so there was room to pull off the road. And we were just looking at the property and looking at the beautiful view that you all get to enjoy all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad pulled me off to the side, and, and he said, this is it. And, and that's the building. And what he was pointing at is... Down behind us here on Gathering Oak, there's the Rolling Oaks Catholic Church and a little Catholic school down there. 
And if you go down there, uh, you can't see it now from up there because of the trees that have grown up, but it's their building, the main building, is a pagoda-shaped roof on that building. And he said, that's the building I saw in my vision. Well, that slammed the deal for me. <laughs> I, you know, The council may have said no, but God was saying yes. <laughs> you know? And so that was when I decided, okay, we're, we're going for this. And uh, yeah. the Lord helped work out all the negotiation for that. That's awesome. The um, what you guys may not know is the the guy that owned the property. Um, when the council said no, it was it was just a, a little too much for what they could afford at the time. The um, the gentleman that sold the property actually um, donated about fifty thousand dollars back to the church. So the church gave him a, a tax credit for being a nonprofit, but donated that so the church could purchase the the property which they did for about three hundred thousand dollars for 21 acres and uh, as you guys all know um, because of the wisdom and the in that moment uh, it set us on course uh, to be able to be completely debt free as you know we sold a portion of the property <laughs> not that you would be shocked by that as you drive by it uh, we sold a portion of that and uh, and now we're completely debt-free. Um, we, ha- we were able to put money in the bank and now focus completely on mission, what it is that God's called us to do. Uh, and it's, it's all because of that moment. Well, you know, and it's very interesting, Ryan, is because when we bought the property, and I, I mentioned this to Tom yesterday, uh, we were together, and, and I reminded him that When we bought the property, we decided then and there that there would be a time that we would likely sell off some of the land because, uh, I mean, I had a big vision, but 21 acres on this property is a lot of work, um, and it's solid rock. And uh, and I, I thought, well, I could imagine selling some of that off that would help to do exactly what you said, and, and here you are doing what God said. What was some of the challenges that you faced, um, not just building here, but uh, but establishing the church here? Um, whether it's the people coming in, or maybe it maybe it is the physical structure of building the church here. But what were, what were some of those dynamics? I think anytime you plant a church, you you always have um, a startup group. Of people that are with you, we had we'd brought two single people with us and two families from California, and uh, then uh, a nucleus of people that were already here that we'd been cultivating for six months on those monthly trips down here. But very often, when you once you get a church established, then the people that help you get it started are not people generally who will stay with you. Uh, there's there are groups of people that. What's in their spiritual DNA is they're, they're builders. They get something going, and then once it's up and going, then, then they move on just to do something else. And as a pastor who's trying to establish, that can be a, a it can take the wind out of your sails, kind of a moment when you lose a significant group of people that have been with you from the very beginning, but they move on. It's, it's hard not to push the panic button yeah. in those moments and believe that God is going to replace them and continue the journey. 
So that was one of the great challenges for us. Brendan, in first service, you shared a little bit about the um, the church praying through the building. Will you, will you share that story? Yeah, that was um, when there were strategic things we did in the building. And because of what had been put in us, uh, particularly through the the, minis- the, the pastor, Pastor Jack Hayford, and he, he laid such foundations in us of, of the, the spirit and the kingdom. And so in that regard, we were well equipped to, um, to do it not just right, to do it righteously. Mm. And so one of the things we did, and, and we, we absolutely knew that we were laying foundations that, and even, even in the physical, um, terrain, this being such a, a solid rock place, but that is that even to, to see, you know, to, to, I don't know the construction terms, but to get all that rock out, out that needed to go away so that a sure foundation could be led I mean, could be laid for this building, um, that all of those things were, there was spirit connect to everything we did physically. It was connected to something in the realm of the spirit. And so in that regard, one of the things we did when the framing was up and before the sheetrock went up on the walls is we asked the congregation, I believe it was a Saturday morning, and we, with Sharpies, we wrote, we just turned them loose with anybody write a scripture on the, the you know, hello. <laughs> so, you know, we, all the headers, every, I mean, we just graffitied the whole frame of, of this place. Um, but... Um, for me, because part one of part of my assignment in this place was was kids ministries, and um, so I knew the I knew the word the Lord had given me to put in a significant place for that kids in, and it's Isaiah fifty four thirteen, and all your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. And I wrote that for all the little ones that were, you know, to my knees at that point, the Cesarics and the Pittmans and the, the whoever, I can't, I, you know, there, there were, we had a lot of little kids <laughs> and um, at that point. And all that were to come in, in the years of our assignment, but all that were to come for forever until Jesus comes. And I wrote that with confidence that every child who would would know this place as home, either for a short time or through KDO, yeah. through a long season, that they that their peace would be great because they would have been taught of the Lord, and um, and and we fought hard at times for that in, in the realm of the spirit. But um, there's incredible testimonies of God's faithfulness to his word. And that I believe with all my heart that 
um, that that's that's a huge part of the legacy of this congregation. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, I guess it, I, I didn't know that, uh, but 14 feet under this foundation, 14 feet? Yeah, it's down that deep. Yeah, is a, a Bible that, that was laid in there, wrapped in plastic. Mm -hmm. um, tell us why. Well, I knew in, in the design of the, the building, and this being the center point of the building, that um, the majority of the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God would be right from this location, and that we would always be a congregation, a church that is founded on the Word of God. And so symbolically, what we, and you know, Tom and I worked together because he'd subbed out the concrete to other contractors, but we had a the in fact, I'll be sending you the pictures of the the concrete pour of this slab. It started at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were here at 4 o'clock in the morning, and 14 feet down here, we, we buried that Bible wrapped in plastic and then poured the concrete over it. And um, this this place is founded on the Word of God. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what would you say to us today um, as we look to the future of LifeHouse and the foundation that you guys have laid for us, what what would you want us to to know? I think that in in some of the the spiritual DNA of who who you are as a congregation, and it would be helpful for you to know is that within within the city, the important connections with other congregations that that you may not be aware of, but are are a part of this. I referenced already David Walker and Max Licato and Alan Randolph. Um, after we built this building, probably within the first year, uh, Kirk Freeman came to town and began to um, plant Crossbridge. Yep. And um, because we had a facility and they did not, they would meet here for their membership meetings yep. and do their water baptisms here. And now Crossbridge Church is a strong, influential congregation. So all of that to say that there's, there's in the invisible realm these connections with other congregations that I would encourage you to always remember that, that you aren't alone, that, that you're a part of a, of a kingdom. And that kingdom is represented with other very significant congregations. And um, that was a very important thing for us to to see and do. That's good. What, um, what you guys would not know is that Dan and Brenda, when they were building this building, um, ended up, uh, they had a home here in San Antonio, ended up selling their home and taking the equity of their home and putting it into the finishings of, of this building. And so the, the chairs that you're sitting in may very well have been personally provided by these guys. Uh, they certainly, as Brenda pointed out in first service, they've been picked out by her, um, and that's why they're comfortable. Um, but the investment, uh, not just spiritually and emotionally, but physically and financially of these guys into the life of our church have laid the foundation for us to, uh, to be here this morning, to gather here, to worship every single Sunday 
and, and to see God move and work through our church and our community is really because of the foundation that you guys have laid. The in that regard also, I, uh, I have to give a shout out to Brian and Ruth Cesaric because when we sold our home, we didn't know where we were going to live. And for those of you who do not know, uh, Brian is in the uh, storage unit business. And so we moved from our home into a mini storage unit into the apartment of a storage unit down not, in... Not like a little cute... Not, <laughs> into the apartment. I mean, it sounds like Brian and Ruth put us in one of those roll-up things and said, good luck with that. I mean, that was so bad. Is it an apartment? You didn't say it smooth enough. Oh, my goodness. It was a really nice apartment. Yeah. And true, that was one of the most fun things we ever did. It, it was so crazy because we're up on, like, the third floor of this storage unit building. And we had little grandchildren then. And I, this is just a very personal side note right now. But we had all the, these little grandchildren and who had, were used to coming to Grandpa and Grandma's house, which was the perfect Grandma's house. And so I thought, we're going to make this an adventure and they had these really slick, wide, concrete, long corridors, you know. And so when the kids would come over, the grandkids would come over, we'd put on our socks and skate <laughs> up and down and around. We celebrated Christmas there one year where we got the, imp the ones that were empty around this apartment. We rolled them all up and put little TVs and uh, bean bags and... <laughs> Christmas, strong Christmas lights. So it was, we tried to always make all of it like fun and an adventure and to make a memory and um, no regrets, absolutely no regrets because I mean that that's a, it's very, when you say that that we sold our house and put our equity, you know, oh, aren't we wonderful people? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, yeah, I, yes, <laughs> actually. In all honesty, I never think about that. I never, I have never thought, oh, my goodness, look what we sacrificed. Yes. That is because there was so much joy. I, I it, it was, there was so much joy and fun mm. in the doing, so. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, Paul Godin, our next-gen uh, pastor, also lived in that apartment. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, <laughs> with his little kids. You know, yeah. one of the first things that, not first thing, the first Christmas we were up here in Stone Oak, and this will be really a fun thing to remember because you are an expression of what was being said prophetically at that moment. Um, that first Christmas, uh, and there weren't nearly as many houses around here as there are now, but we, we got a bunch of door hangers, and we um, put a light bulb in every door hanger. And within blocks all around here, we, we put these door hangers on door knobs, and it says, the light has come. And it was a Christmas statement that the at that time, it was the Church on the Way was our name, 
but that we had come to this region, but more importantly is that we were coming to bring the light. And that light bulb was a reminder for every home that there was a light that had come into their region, and you are the expression of that light. That's awesome. Yeah, they don't let you do that anymore. <laughs> I say no solicitors. <laughs> Actually, they didn't let us do it then oh, either. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just yeah, like I said, we we had some adventure in the process. <laughs> but yeah, we we knew we yeah. weren't really supposed so to do that, but we did anyway. You know. Uh, give us one. Uh, you had blessed us with uh, something the Lord put your put on your heart for us, and then I'm going to have you pray for us as we close our time out. But well, I um, I really been asking the Lord uh, because I felt this would be a moment to to share something with you. And when we were here, we got in on Friday. We we drove up here and we were set up on the top level, and we we just prayed again over not the property per se, but for you and uh, the blessing of the Lord on you. And um, then this morning, I, I got up very early uh, because I wasn't going to miss an opportunity of what I did virtually every Sunday morning for years, and that was get up before daybreak and come up here and sit up on the top of this hill. And I can tell you, I've, I've preached a lot of sermons from that hillside when nobody was listening except the rocks and the trees because there wasn't anything here. But I, I would preach a message that I was going to preach later that morning. and But I would come over here and preach it because I believe in the power of the word going forth. Sure. And uh, so this morning, uh, as I, I had to go to Shipley's. And, um, <laughs> it, it, you have to. Yeah. And so it's, the proximity is such that I just happened by here as well. And... Um, and I was asking the Lord, what, what word would he give me to share with you? And, and I'd been thinking about that for most of the weekend, but then I just felt him whisper to my heart, you know, I've been giving you the word before you got here because what I've been studying for a sermon I'm preaching at home next Sunday. He said, that's the word for here as well. So I won't preach the sermon, but I'll give you the three points. And here it is, and it's for you as a congregation and it's for you as an individual, maybe you as a family. Number one, God is aware. Whatever you're going through, whatever challenge you're facing, God is aware. Number two, God is able. Whatever is necessary, God is able. Now here's your part. Number three, God is available. Will you seek him? for him to do what he's able to do because of what he's aware of in your life and for you as a congregation. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to I'm going to ask you to pray and I'm going to invite you to stand. One of the uh, things that I heard when I showed up here in 2007 over and over and over again was how uh, Dan and Brenda were like uh, parents. They were like spiritual parents uh, to, to the congregation. And uh, I can't think of much better of a compliment than that, uh, to have a spiritual father, to have a spiritual mother, uh, that wasn't really dictated by age as much as it was dictated uh, by the, the care and the love and concern that you had for people and still have for people. And so uh, with that, will you, will you pray over us 
um, just a, a blessing before you go. Kelly, I want you to, oh, you're already up here. I want to take a minute before I pray to say that you have wonderful pastors. I, I am so proud of the two of you. And, uh, and I intentionally told Ryan when he came that I would stay in touch with him, not to be lording over him anything, but just because I care so much about them and uh, in any way to be a resource. And, well, he's got all kinds of help, and he's got the Lord. He hasn't needed me, but we've stayed in touch. And I can tell you that these are terrific pastors, and I am so proud of both of you. You are serving Jesus well. You are leading this congregation magnificently. And um, I, I love everything about what's happening here. And it is a continuation of a dream come true. And uh, in all of the years of ministry, this was the only one that really started out as a dream. You know, our early years, we took over pastorates. Uh, smaller churches, but anything that birthed in me, this was the first thing. And the dream continues to be fulfilled, and I thank you for being faithful. And um, thank you for following some great pastors. So, Jesus, I thank you for those things and so much more. I thank you that you are the God who does all things well. That's right. And that you have been involved from the very, very beginning and Lord, the, the imprint of your touch upon this place is so evident. And we rejoice in that because at the end of the day, Lord, all we are are vessels that you use. We have a treasure in these earthen vessels. But at the end of the day, it's all about you, God. And you get all the glory. And we thank you. And it's right to give honor where honor is due. And I I do, before this congregation and before the throne of heaven, I say, Lord, I honor Ryan and Kelly and the, the place that they have in leading this congregation. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the continued touch and breath of the Holy Spirit would be upon them as they lead. And that, Lord, as that leadership is pressed down into this group of people, that, Lord, there will be a continual flow of the grace of your life as families are restored, as homes are healed, as people are set free, and that they come to make this place their home, that they would then become ambassadors of what they have received from you, that they could take that wherever they go. Right. I pray a blessing over Lifehouse Congregation in the name of Jesus. Bless them for all of their days, for all of your ways to accomplish what is above and beyond what they could ever imagine or think about, that, Lord, you've got a plan for them. And I pray for every willing person and every open heart that that dream would be put into their hearts and they would see it come to pass in unique ways that are customized by your Holy Spirit. I bless this church. I thank you for it, Lord Jesus Christ. And to you be all the glory in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we say thank you to these guys?
So I want us to close out. We, we, we're going to go just a little bit over time, but I, I really, I'd actually asked Jeremy to, uh, to lead us in this song in particular because it's, uh, it's a song that's familiar to us. It's uh, a song called Do It Again. Uh, and I want us as just as a proclamation for more of what God has already begun, the, the foundation that he laid uh, years ago, uh, to, to this point and then to all of what God wants to do in the future. We're not going to receive our tithes and offerings. We're going to have ushers at the, at the doors. You can drop your offering there if you brought it this morning. You can also drop your card there. But I want us to, to close our time in, in a celebration of worship. Can we do that?